0: everyone, welcome to Sausage of Science. This is Chris, and Kara is not with me today. Shh, I'm recording an episode without her. I'm not trying to get around her. I'm actually doing an intro so we can repost episode number five, which is my interview with Kara called Don't Fight That Cellulite. And the reason I want to repost it is one, it's really, really good. She's very articulate. Her research is super interesting, and it's a great example of what I'm coining a term now I call Applied Biocultural Anthropology. Bam. It's based initially on an article published in the American Journal of Human Biology in the September-October 2017 issue. The other reason I want to repost this is because Kara tells you at the end how to get a hold of her, but she's not there anymore congratulations Kara she is now a professor at University of Notre Dame so anyone who's interested in working with her on any of these interesting projects almost all of which she still has going on she's not working with the Albany Devils anymore but everything else is still a go you can find her in the fall there and then you can still get a hold of us in the usual ways I'm at Chris underscore ly she's at Kara Akababach on Twitter etc so on. We're affiliated with the Human Biology Association, and I want to thank our producer, Caroline Owens, up front for once for all the fine work she's done, including editing the following podcast rebroadcast for you. Enjoy. So my co-host, Kara Akebach, (laughs) here we are recording right now, has a piece called Body Fat Attenuates Muscle Mass Catabolism Among Physically Active Humans in Temperate and cold, high-altitude environments. Kara, you're on the Sausage of Science podcast. Why don't you tell me a little bit about this article that you published?
1: How strange to be interviewed on a podcast that I often am doing interviews for. It's such a role reversal. I don't know how to handle this one. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for reminding me that my paper got its, uh, its volume and issue number, since I don't often pay attention to that. Uh, But yeah, so this paper comes out of my dissertation work where I was looking at uh, human energetics in different environments and high levels of the collectivity, and I followed National Outdoor Leadership School students during spring, summer, fall, and winter as they took part in mountaineering, uh, multi-pitch climbs, kayaking, hiking, all of those kinds of fun things. Um, Then I have two previous papers that address the energetics and how I modeled their energetics to see how many calories they were spending a day. I'll get to the chase. They were spending a lot of calories a day. In the temperate climate, it was well up over 3,500 calories per day and in a cold climate, well beyond 4,000 calories per day. So these are really active people. And because they were out hiking and climbing and they only got re-rations every couple of weeks, uh, almost everybody was in a negative calorie balance the entire time. And that means they were burning more calories than they were consuming. And when that happens, the body ends up having to rely on its own stored sources of fuel to keep the, the body moving, to keep all the its basic functions going as well. And glycogen is always the first to, to be burned. And glycogen is kind of a, a storage of carbohydrate, usually in the liver. You can store glycogen in other places as well. And everybody's got roughly 2,000 calories of glycogen in their body at any given time. So that can burn out pretty quickly when you're, uh, when you're at such high levels of physical activity as these National Outdoor Leadership School folks were. Um, and then once you get through glycogen, you go through fat. And once the person goes through fat, which might take a while, it all depends on you know, how much fat a person has. On average, it's about 100,000 calories, uh, but the body won't burn through all of that because there's a, a minimum amount of fat the body needs just to survive and carry out basic functions. But if you run out of those fat stores, you your body will turn to basically consuming its own muscle to fuel the activity that you're pushing it through. And so that's what this paper was about, was looking at the body composition changes in response to that negative energetic balance where they were burning more than they were consuming and seeing how somebody's initial body composition uh, either helped or hurt them before they went out on these expeditions, such that if somebody had uh, more body fat, they could rely on it longer and then spare burning through any lean body mass. Whereas if somebody came out with a very uh, small body fat percentage, they would be much more likely to be burning off lean muscle mass, which is Not good for performance and really not good for health either. So that's kind of the long and short of it. Women end up performing better since women have naturally a little bit more fat than men. uh, So they don't burn off their muscle mass. And um, yeah, individuals with higher percentages of body fat perform or do not lose muscle mass on these courses, these National Outdoor Leadership courses. It's independent of diet. It doesn't matter the macronutrient content these individuals were consuming. The fact that they were consuming too few calories overall, that was the main problem there. Not too little protein to maintain your muscle mass. It was just too little calories to maintain bodily functions to begin with.
0: So as you well know, we like to know what goes into the sausage, and I wonder... If you could tell us a little bit about what you did, like how did you collect these data and like, how did you get involved with the National Outdoor Leadership School? That sounds pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So this is actually a good science story and good for anybody who's getting started in grad school or even starting up their new projects as junior faculty or any new project, um, a lot of times the things you want to do fall through for reasons that are completely outside of your control. Uh, So this is when I was graduate school doing this project, and I had initially set up and was ready to, to work with a population in Alaska because I wanted to work with cold climate populations. And for absolutely no reason, that fell through. I literally got an email one day saying, sorry, this can't happen anymore. And there was never a response to my inquiries or anything. And knowing what it was I wanted to do, my advisor, Herman Ponser, who I'm sure many of you know, said he had a friend uh, who was kind of connected to this National Outdoor Leadership School, uh, who put us in touch with their research, their main research guy. And so pitched the idea to him and he loved it because for the National Outdoor Leadership people, anecdotally, they, they know they're spending a lot of calories and they know that men lose muscle mass and women lose fat. But again, it was anecdotal. They never actually had any data to back up those claims. And so they love the idea of somebody coming out and actually saying like, yes, you're right. Women do lose fat and often tend to gain muscle, whereas men lose muscle on these courses. Um, so they were really excited about it. Uh, as well as kind of getting an assessment of how maybe they can better pack for these courses, maybe take out more calorically dense foods or something to to help spare any muscle mass loss that might be uh, experienced. Uh, So that's how I got involved with the National Outdoor Leadership School. And I spent, what, something like seven months out in Wyoming um, Mm -hmm. collecting this data where I would follow the courses And I would collect body composition data with skinfold thicknesses and uh, bioelectrical impedance. And I measured their energy expenditure with the doubly labeled water method and using heart rate monitors slash accelerometers while they were in the field. And they kept diet logs and activity logs and all of that fun stuff along the way. So yeah, that's kind of what went into it. So
0: when I got to hang out with you back in March, you were taking me to hockey games. It looks like you've translated that expertise in being able to provide those data to an organization, to other sports. And is that, is that, is there a connection there?
1: The, the connection all comes down to, I guess, energetics and evaluating performance to some degree, because even with the National Outdoor Leadership School, that was an evaluation of performance, especially when you're losing body mass uh, in the form of either fat or muscle mass. The hockey story. Yes. You got to come to hockey game with me, which was great and a lot of fun. And it's probably one of the the most fun little projects I've had on the side I've ever taken part in. Uh, Here's another lesson for people. Never, ever, ever be afraid to tell people what you do and put yourself out there and your work out there. So I worked with the uh, Albany Devils AHL hockey team. And this all came about because my husband and I had tickets to a game and we went and like a week later, A customer service person gave me a call asking how I enjoyed the game. And, you know, I answered all of his questions. Uh, And then I just said, hey, you know, my name is Kara Akebak. I'm a professor over at the University of Albany. And I can collect data on body compositions and energy expenditure. And I can collect live heart rates, all of that stuff. And if you want to pass that up the chain to the front office or to the coaches, just to let them know that this is available, that would be great. I never expected anything to come out of it because what customer service rep is going to pass information on to any coaches? Like You don't expect that to happen. But literally two days later, I got a call from the strength and conditioning coach saying, this sounds great. Let's meet. And then the next week he came down to my lab and I showed him what we had. And one of our main goals was to compare energy expenditure and intensity by looking at The players' heart rates between games and practices to see if they were reaching the same level of intensity during practice that they actually hit during a game. Long story short, they don't. (laughs) Uh, Games were much more intense than practices. Uh, And we also saw that their heart rates were really, really high when they were at rest, either in between shifts or back in the locker room in between periods where they would be sitting for 20 minutes or so, they would still have heart rates up and over 120 beats per minute. And we all kind of think this might be something with sympathetic overload, that they're up in a fight or flight mode for the game. But that also means they're, they're burning fuel that they might need in the third period of a hockey game or if they go into overtime. Uh, so the strength and conditioning coach um, and I have kind of been talking about ways to to maybe calm them down a little bit, which, you know, could also impact their play psychologically. um, But energetically, it does make a little bit of sense to do that.
0: So are we going to see another AJHB publication on the hockey team or is that more of a consultation type of gig or what's going on with that?
1: Oh, I, I do plan on publishing it. I don't know if that would be something AJHB would be interested in. I'm not, I, I worry it might fall too far into the realm of exercise physiology, but if they're open to it, I'm open to submitting it.
0: We'll have to ask our, our listeners to chime Demote. in and yeah, <laughs> let, it, let hole us hole. know if you want to hear more of care's work. I mean, we're, we're trying to reflect our membership, and I don't know that necessarily the membership and the journal are exactly the same, um, because you and I both know from our own researches and friendship and experience that while uh, we have this work that falls you know, squarely in biocultural and biological and human biological, we also have lots of other different research interests. So does the journal reflect the memberships Research, or is there or is there something more narrow? So, I guess last question aside from that, I know you recently got grant funding and have oh. been uh, traveling to the nether reaches of Europe. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so um, I got an NSF high risk grant to uh, work with the reindeer herders in northern Finland, and uh, one I'm super excited about it. So thank you so much, NSF, uh, for thinking my work is valuable enough, valuable enough to fund. But the idea is is to get a really good look at. A cold climate population that still takes part in fairly high levels of physical activity that also expose them to the environment on a regular basis. Um, the reindeer herders have of course modernized, we can never romanticize any group as still being, you know, classic hunter-gatherer or the, you know, the reindeer herders that still herd with like walking pushing them along with sticks or something like that. No, they're completely modernized, but they are also still taking part in some pretty rigorous activity, and it's still ridiculously cold up there. Uh, So the field site's about a four or five hour drive north of the Arctic Circle um, in the the Hamas Tenturi and the Ivy regions of um, Of Finland, and so it'll be starting. Going to start small uh, with kind of a basic energetic profile. Get total energy expenditure, resting metabolic rates, activity levels. Um, Going to do some minor, minor biomarkers with glucose, cholesterol, and going to hopefully, if we have the time and the willingness, is always the thing. uh, Collect some initial data on brown adipose tissue activation. So that's that. Uh, we'll be going out in spring. I'll say I'll be going out since all of my collaborators are already in Finland. I'll be going out this coming spring to uh, get that project up and off the ground.
0: Cool. Well, sounds like you've got a lot going on. Are you looking for students? Do you wanna, do you need Yes. You wanna... <laughs> is
1: that yes. yes.
0: Right on. Well, I've been Chris and, and you've now heard uh, my co-host Kara as, as our focus. And this is <laughs> the Sausage of Science for so the Human Biology Association. We'll be Thank back soon. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, right on.